0: Four duplexes, a bad beat syndication. Um, just a, uh, this is my intro, I went through a lot of this, but you know, I've been a broker investor since 2010. We did a couple of syndications in 11 and 12. 2017, I joined an apartment investing group here in Austin, Texas that had a few dozen regular members. Uh, by the time I started attending, a number of the investors had already invested in uh, a handful of deals that were uh, sponsored by the organizer of the weekly meeting. So you know, I rode shotgun and listened to the stories, and kind of got a comfort level with uh, uh, with what they were doing, and uh, felt felt good enough about the the people involved that we decided to go ahead and uh, make an investment uh, when the next deal came through. Um, the uh, specific investment was, as the the opening slide mentioned, a four duplex package. Um, and our investment was a $50,000 equity investment. And the plan was for the operator to purchase those four duplexes, uh, clean them up, get the rents up, and uh, uh, and then do a refinance. Uh, I will go through the actual structure of the financing so you can understand kind of how, how that was to be structured. Okay, so this is the redacted, uh, uh, uh prospectus for this particular investment i've removed all the names of the uh of the uh, operators uh <laughs> so um essentially if you look at the investment summary slide what you'll see is uh the purchase price of the four duplexes was uh $500,000 total so that's $125,000 per duplex uh we had a rehab budget of per duplex. Um, Once we're done, total finished cost, $150,000 per duplex or $75,000 per door. We had a rent projection of $950. And uh, the idea was they were going to hold it for about five years. They were going to uh, do a refinance at that time. Um, You can see that there is a seller financing note for uh, roughly $400,000. And then uh, there was actually, to take down the property and close on it, the difference between the two, let me bring this down to this next slide. The total investment was going to be financed to a $400,000 seller finance note, $150,000 worth of second lien debt from the investors, and then an additional $100,000 of of, uh, equity. And we were the $50,000 of the equity first blush, as far as I was concerned, it seemed like a, seemed like a great deal. I mean, you're buying properties, uh, you're buying duplexes for, uh, uh, $125,000 each that are going to require a a modest rehab and going to rent out for almost $2,000 a month. Seemed like a, uh, a pretty easy deal to manage. Didn't seem like a lot of room for uh, screwing things up. And, uh, As I said, I'd I'd actually gained some confidence with uh, this particular investor. Um, I won't get into the details of the investment thesis. I I think I've highlighted it well enough by just saying it was a rehab and a rent-up type structure. Um, And then let me just get into the investment structure. This is always a very interesting piece of it and uh, something I know that everyone who invests in a uh, passive Uh, uh, syndication tends to uh, focus heavily on. So initial financing, as we mentioned, seller finance mortgage at 6%. So this is the seller of these four duplexes was gonna put up $400,000 note. Um, Interest only payments for 12 months, balance due at the end of 12 months. Upon completion of the rehab and lease up, the sponsors of the project were planning to do a refinance. They had projected terms. They thought they could get a 5% interest 30 year AM. On the refi and pay off the loan to the seller and the sponsor was going to handle the property management was going to take a 1.5 percent asset management fee a ten thousand dollar acquisition fee and uh, an eight percent property management fee Effectively, the two uh, the two sponsors were a property management sponsor and a cons- and a contractor sponsor. So that'll give you kind of an idea of what their roles were. You had one one person involved in the lease up and and the overall planning, and then another involved in the actual construction coordination. In addition, there was an asset management fee of one point five percent per year, and the sponsor was also a licensed broker and just made sure that it was understood that upon sale, they would earn a 3% commission. This slide talks just about the the highlights of the rehab. Uh, The plan was to address the most common items that you would see in a rehab like this. There were smaller two bedroom, one bath units. The rehab was going to entail appliances, uh, disposals, ice makers, uh, add some granite countertops, Uh, put in some vinyl plank flooring, and then once again, as a little repetition, some of these slides about the the structure, but there was $100,000 in capital to fund the down payment, $150,000 second lien to fund the rehab costs, and also to have uh, interest reserves to cover the seller financing note. Um, And then once again, the plan was to get all this done within a year and refinance it at at improved terms and get the credit for the higher valuation of the properties that had been rehabbed, thus allowing them to retire the second lien debt and the first lien debt simultaneously and uh, put everybody in a better equity position. So once again, this is the sources and uses. This is the money coming in. This is where the money is going to go. The rehab budget. And then uh, we won't, I won't dig into the pro forma right now. I think I'll just keep it high level. And if we want to come back and dig into some more details of the pro forma, we can do that. We have time and interest. So having run through that, um, let me go ahead and uh, flip back to the PowerPoint. And I'll tell you what happened. Okay. So in addition to the um you know let's get into the psychology a little bit of investing so in addition to the the deal itself with, which we're always evaluating and the sponsor's reputation and our general feeling about the sponsor there's also your own internal motivations that you have um and it's as we all know i mean it's we we've moved into a a, a buyer's market here recently but for the last 10 years it's been pretty pretty crazy and austin has been has been even you know crazier than the average as far as uh, just the acceleration of the market and the and the availability of deals so it's certainly tempting to gloss over some of these uh warning signs and to move forward on deals that um maybe you shouldn't but you know, there's, there is a sense that, you know, you keep passing on deals and passing on deals and you think I'm just, you know, I'm never gonna get invested in, any, in anything. And your money's sitting on the sidelines while you're watching people make money. This is the FOMO that tends to uh, uh, make us careless. So the market was hot. And I mean, you know, these, these syndicated deals were flying off the shelf. Uh, the sponsors could name their own terms um you'd even find yourself in a situation where if you if you ask too many rounds of questions you'd get a response of well yeah what a shame but we've actually we're we're fully uh, funded at this point so uh, maybe the next one you know so you know you get a little bit of time with with the syndicators but there's a um uh they tend to to move move with often with the uh, uh you know the squeaky wheels often get left on the sidelines so So certainly that was part of what was happening. Uh, But another thing that was really important on this particular deal was that we had kind of an ecosystem. We had a a group of investors who were invested in a number of deals with this particular sponsor um, and, and much larger deals like, you know, 20, 30 unit apartment complexes for, you know, $10 million. Uh, There was a lot of money that had already been committed to this particular operator. And um, my feeling was that part of the security in this deal was that if this sponsor didn't deliver, that it would tarnish the reputation across the board and it would make it very difficult for them to get additional funding for future deals. So you kind of had this sense that um, you were kind of the other deals created security for your deal, if that makes sense. So let's talk about some mistakes before we talk about uh, some some items that were missed along the way. Before we get into uh, what actually happened, so uh, a couple of mistakes made along the way uh, in hindsight. One is we we took the equity instead of the uh, second lien debt because the uh, the terms were better. Um, obviously, when everything's going great and when projects are successful, equity is a great place to be. Uh, You get you get a preferred return. You get a slice of the upside. And uh, this particular uh, investment had a 10 percent preferred return. So um, it just I was confident in it. So we went ahead and and took the higher the higher return and the higher risk, Uh, as we'll find out later that that will come back to bite this deal, because by being in an equity position, you're you're behind the debt. the the debt players. And so when a deal hits the fan and uh, the wheels come off, uh, you're you're the last in line to receive your money. So always something to consider is where do you exist in the capital stack uh, from the highest risk to the lowest risk? So mistake number one was we took the highest risk and the highest return. Mistake number two, is as a broker, I did perform some cap rate and valuation due diligence on the duplexes. That's just a fancy way of saying I tried to estimate on my own what they were worth and what they would rent for. And uh, I was overly optimistic based upon my experience in Austin and the Austin uh, surrounding uh, submarkets. This particular submarket was about an hour and a half outside of Austin, and most of the the ge- geographic areas that I'd operated in were more like half an hour, forty-five minutes outside of Austin, so it was just a much different uh, market. So uh, we were, I was, I was more optimistic than I should have been about the about the performance. Um, the third item that I glossed over was the was the first lien loan and the refinance loan. So. When I went through the loan structure from the seller financing piece, uh, you'll note that it was a 12-month interest-only loan. It did not have a provision for an extension or a refinance, and that was something that I missed. And the problem with that is if you don't get your project done in the 12-month period and you can't get refinanced, then you... You're caught in limbo. I mean, you could be in a situation where um, you could get foreclosed on. So that was a that was a miss. And the other miss, kind of part and parcel of the same, was that the sponsor actually didn't have the credit, uh, the credit score, and the just the credit history they needed to to refinance out of this property. Um, the fourth item that was missed in this particular deal was the property was advertised by the sponsor as being four duplexes but later on we found out that legally it was a single piece of property uh and that it was uh, really an eight plex it was a detached eight plex on a single lot as opposed to four duplexes on four lots and that is uh a very important distinction when it comes time to refinance or try and resell the property. The fallout, so about six months into the project, I received a call from the co-sponsor of the Apartment Investing Group who was not, he was not uh, an operator of this particular project. He was actually just just a sponsor of the meeting to let us know that the sponsor had had a nervous breakdown. So I put in there, I'm pretty sure Bernie Madoff had a nervous breakdown as well, but that wasn't really what it was about, was it? Um, it turns out that every single project that was being operated by the sponsor, four or five active projects with ours being the smallest, was collapsing, um, likely due to a cash crunch, and very likely due to commingling of funds between the projects as an, in an effort to save all the projects and save face. Once the sponsor realized that their reputation was screwed, they basically disappeared, and just uh, we couldn't we couldn't find them, and, we, and all the investors were left to pick up the pieces. So this was actually a much bigger uh, situation than just my my investment and our project. It actually it 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 took out um, dozens of people uh, on on a handful of projects. And they were all left to their own devices to get together and figure out how to to, you know, pull this thing out of a nosedive. So um, part of that, I think, was just a a rehab budget optimism. I think that this and and I I saw it on our project and I'm assuming that it also uh, uh, was part of the problem with the other projects was that the um, they were just optimistic about how much it was going to cost, how long it was going to take. They didn't have the reserves in place and it just the they started falling like dominoes at that point. Um and then one less critical item but it was definitely a, a contributor was the the sponsor who was the broker and the property manager uh who was taking the fees ended up outsourcing the leasing function to a local property manager who was marginally motivated. So, in other words, got spread too thin, wasn't really on site, you know, as much as they needed to be, and was kind of trying to, you know, just wasn't managing the manager. So, um, so that's that's where it all kind of came unglued for us and the rest of the uh, investors. Um, recovery so what happened next uh it took it took years um ultimately the second lien uh, lenders were able to pay off the first lien note it did almost go to foreclosure the seller of the property who had the first lien seller note uh, uh did attempt to take it to foreclosure but the uh, fortunately the the second lien uh investors were in a position to to uh, pay off the first lien note, and then eventually get the financing necessary after a, probably about two years of renovations and and uh, releasing time. So they had they had one investor in particular who who was capable of just taking it all down and basically save the deal for the rest of the investors. Um, but it took a ton of work. It took a lot of time. And um, some of the uh, secondly, lenders had to actually guarantee that loan um, in order to make this deal happen. So it wasn't it wasn't an easy thing to save. Um, Lessons I learned from all this. uh, By far, the best thing I did is, is by the time I realized that the value of the property was less than the value of the total underlying debt, which is a nice way of saying that my the value of my investment was zero. Um, I moved on to more profitable projects. Uh, we actually ended up having a terrific year that year. Um, it was the, it really is the only significant loss that we've had in our entire uh, investing uh, lives. So um, what we did is just said, you know what, we're not gonna get sucked into the, into a lawsuit where we have no money to gain. We're not going to get pulled into putting a lot of time and effort into it. So we effectively uh, relinquished our position to the second lean debt folks and let them take the reins and uh, spent our time on uh, a number of other projects that uh, turned out to do really well uh, and more than offset the uh, the losses from this particular project. So that was um, as I look back on it, that gives me gives me. Piece to know that we uh, that we at least responded well at that point. Um, second lesson, you know, passive isn't passive when the sponsor is incompetent or a crook. Um, you know, you, you really need to know who you're who you're investing with, uh, and there's there. It's really tempting to want to uh, make your investment somebody else's uh, job. And uh, I've had deals like that that have worked, but when they don't work, it's uh, it's it gets really messy. Uh, the third bullet there, um, make sure you have the ability to grab the wheel if the deal is headed for the ditch. That's what the uh, second lean folks were able to do. And I can't <laughs> I never would have I never would have imagined uh, going into this deal. You know I, I say there until you've been handcuffed in the back seat watching the crash, you can't imagine the frustration. I mean, you know, as as an investor and a syndicator and a broker, I knew everything that needed to happen to make this deal to fix this, and I had no um, ability to do so. And they was and by the time we that that the second lien folks were actually able to get the sponsors to sign everything over and step out of the way and return phone calls, it was such a you know train wreck that there was nothing left to save so it's it, it's you know it's really easy to look at the deal and, and say you know well i know how this could be fixed but if you don't have the authority to do so then it, it doesn't really matter um the fourth item there uh just from a lessons learned because I, I i i have a feeling somebody you're going to ask me like you know what would i what would i do differently how could i avoid you know, them spending all the money or transferring the money out to other companies without our knowledge. Um, The only thing I can think that we could have done better is to have not made our full investment up front and had treated it more like a progress payment standpoint where we, you know, we dole out the money and we get to have a quarterly review and see what's actually happening and ask questions before we're fully committed. Because once the money hits the bank, You know, if you if you don't have control of the bank account and, you you know, it's it's just gone. So um, the fifth item, lessons learned, uh, you can't sue somebody for for 50K. (laughs) I mean, it's it's you know, you think like if someone if someone does something uh, illegal or they break the agreement, well, you're just going to go call your lawyer and 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 fix it. Um, in many cases, it's not possible or certainly not worth, you know, it's just throwing good money after bad, um, because it's very expensive to accumulate all that, you know, all that evidence and, and, and to sue somebody. Um, the other thing I learned is it's better to have no deal than an unprofitable deal. That's that, that mantra has probably saved me in half a dozen other deals that I'll never know about that I didn't invest in. um, I've always just believed that, you know, you need, you're better off having your time and your resources, you know, your dry powder and your and your time uh, on the ground for waiting for the right deal than to just get involved in something just because you feel like, you know, you need to. Last two items, don't get pulled in by FOMO. Uh, if it doesn't feel right, step away and then closely tied to that. Sometimes you're better off doing it yourself. That's how we started. That's still how we do 90% of what we do. We do ourselves. Um, and I've my philosophy is that I, I would rather be in less deals that I have control over um, and make a little more money on each of those than be in more passive deals. So I can, I can say I'm a, been a little bit disenchanted, even though I've I've had a few wins on the passive side as well. But since I am a full-time broker and I do have the resources, contractor resources, and the experience, um, I've I've found that I'm just happier uh, being the operator. So.